Welcome to the HTML All The Things Podcast, episode number 43, Imposter Syndrome. I'm your host, Matt Lawrence, and I'm joined again by my co-host, Mike Coran. Now, if you've been enjoying the podcast so far and you want to support us, there are a couple ways that you can do that. You can review us on Apple Podcasts or on the podcast platform that you listen to this on. You can also check us out on Patreon and sign up for one of the tiers that we have there. And and also, probably the most important one, you can just kind of tell your friends and kind of share the share the share the news, I don't know if it's news, but like share our like our podcast link, let people know that we record uh, podcasts every every single week, barring some holidays and that type of thing, and you know, let them know, especially if they're web developers just starting out or even more experienced, just let them know that we have a show going, and that would be really great. Charmless? Charmless? Harmless? It's not even harmless, is it? It's uh, shameless. Shameless self-plug <laughs> over. Charmless. What is it, like Charmin? That, 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 that sounds like something that like Charmin would come up with. You know what I'm trying to say? Like the brand yep. Charmin would be like, Charmless. this is Charmless. That's not bad, actually. You can have that, Charmin, if you're listening, because you probably are. Um, someone shared it with you. Anyway, we also have a Discord server, again. Uh, so if you guys want to join up, we have a really great community that is growing, uh, growing relatively quickly or faster than at least we thought it would gr- it was grow. It would grow, And it's uh, quite active. And it's it's uh, like people are getting help. People are starting to collaborate. People are starting to do stuff on there. So it's really great. So if you would... Uh, if you would like to join in that community, please check out the link in the full show notes, which will be on our website. And thank you to everyone who's listening, who is on the Discord right now, who's in the community. But without further ado, let's move on to the intro segment, Weekly Pain Points. Mike, take it away. So, yeah, this is a kind of a topical Weekly Pain Point, and I'll try not to make it too long. Uh, it'll be on Game of Thrones, so, I mean, if you're not interested or whatever, you can just zone out at this point, but, and I'll try to keep it quick. Game of Thrones came to its conclusion this week. Uh, season 8 is over, and that means that the main story arc is over, and I just have some some pain points about it. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything, but what I don't like is kind of the rushed feeling of the final season. Uh, the fact that what happened in the end didn't really upset me too much. It's more the fact that it could have been done a lot better and explained a lot better and kind of, uh, you know, I wouldn't say stretched out, but a lot more content could have been given to us in a lot better ways than having to rush a very complicated and complex storyline in a span of six episodes, uh, in a, in a final season that really deserved a lot more. So I'll, I'll give a little quick little backstory on it. The fact that, HBO actually asked the writers of the show, uh, I think their abbreviation is D&D, there's two of them, two, two, two people, and they asked them to do a total of 14 seasons, I believe, at some point. Um, then George R. R. Martin kind of chimed in at some point and said, like, 12 would be fine. That's what he would recommend is about 12 seasons. And these writers, uh, with their, you know, infinite knowledge of on the subject of Game of Thrones, decided that, no, we'll do eight seasons, and the final two seasons will actually shorten to seven episodes and then six episodes, respectively. Uh, this, to me, like, I just have a real big problem with this, and I don't like it in any sort of sense. Like, I don't want this to be a trend in the industry, because the, the writers were actually signed on to do the next three Star Wars movies. And this feels like a way to get out of Game of Thrones as fast as possible and move on to, I guess, a more lucrative contract with Star Wars and Disney as fast as possible. And it's kind of like slapping your fans of the show that I've been watching for years now. It's been, I think, over... It's been around 10 years now that I've been been watching Game of Thrones with you. 
and just slapping them in the face and be like, ah, we're going to move on and just like get this over with as fast as possible. Even though they obviously had a more budgetary discretion, so they could have had way bigger budget and B, they could have, you know, put more time into this and more years and stuff like that. And everyone would have been happy. So yeah, I, that that's why I'm kind of upset with Game of Thrones, but uh, what are you going to do? It's over. It's fine. Uh, Matt, what about you? Uh, so I did not watch Game of Thrones because I have never watched Game of Thrones barring an episode here and there. So I am uh, completely immune to any of that, luckily, because it kind of sounds like a lot of people are upset. But anyway, my weekly pain point is uh, formulating tutorials from my own learning. So I've been messing around a lot with uh, Tailwind and getting familiar with it and kind of getting to the point where I can, you know, it's kind of like a reflex where I just kind of know what to know, uh, what uh, what classes to pull in and, or at least know where in the documentation I need to like qu- do a quick reference kind of thing. I just kind of know where it is and know what to bookmark and, you know, getting familiar with it. And I'm trying to, um, for the first time, kind of immediately while learning it also try to write tutorials and that's kind of been my weekly pain point trying to learn that procedure because usually i know it for a long time and then i write a tutorial at some point so we'll see how that we'll see how this goes uh, i do have a bunch planned from installation all the way through uh, to hooking it up to Vue.js, as i said before so let's uh hopefully get that ball rolling and uh, we'll see how it turns out but anyway, uh, moving on to the actual show here it's a mic heavy episode again because i was uh, gone for the majority of the day today uh so I'm just going to introduce the segments here, and then I'm going to let Mike take it away once again. So segment number one is the imposter syndrome. Segment number two is tips slash advice for dealing with imposter syndrome. And then, of course, the uh, the recurring segment, web news, and this time it's about digital well-being, another very uh, topical topic. So, Mike, take it away with segment number one. All right. Thanks, Matt. Uh, so segment number one, imposter syndrome. So I, I just want to clarify what it is uh it's a feeling like you don't belong and are not qualified to do the job that you are doing or continue in the practice or schooling that you're trying to do so in web development terms you kind of you know you're you're going about your job and you you feel like you're not qualified to do that job and you feel like you're kind of yeah, it's an inferiority kind of feeling. And I'm sure a lot of people people that have been listening to this either A, already know the term imposter syndrome or B, have definitely experienced the symptoms of it and uh, don't can't, can't really classify it or something. So I'm hoping that this will get, help you classify it. Um, so and, and things that can kind of induce that feeling, I just want to clarify what they are so that you have, again, more insight into imposter syndrome because, you know, knowing is half the battle. So things that can induce it, in my opinion, and what what has kind of been what what has induced it in me over the past couple, like you know, five years, I think that we've been doing this. Uh, so one thing is coworkers talking about their work and you not understanding most of it. So they're talking about some sort of new technology uh, over a lunch break, and you're just like, wow, I don't understand anything that they're saying, and I feel like I just why am I even here? Stuff like that, like that that kind of stuff can really make you feel like you're not supposed to be there right an imposter in this situation uh things like technical abbreviations like people are talking about MERNs and lamp stacks and api and rest and uh ides and stuff like is stuff that you just don't understand and people are using it casually in conversation with with each other can really get give you that feeling of uh what what the hell how do i not know this stuff uh, constantly evolving technologies. So, you know, like you're you're learning pure vanilla JavaScript, but there's 10 different framework, JavaScript frameworks out there. And then tomorrow, there's another JavaScript framework. And the day after that, there's another JavaScript framework. So that, that like constantly moving landscape of technology in front of you can really, you know, 
frighten and uh, like stop you in your tracks and give you that imposter syndrome feeling. Uh, getting caught up in age. So this one is a little bit more complicated in the sense that um, let's say that you're like a little bit older and you're just getting into web development. And then you take a look online and you're seeing this 18-year-old or 17-year-old that's like way ahead of you in, in his learning process. And you're thinking like, why, how, how is he doing that? And what, like, I'm, you know, I'm older now and maybe I can't compete in this industry. Um, For that, like, I I really want to say don't, and for all of these things, I really want to say these are just the symptoms. These are just ways of inducing it. They shouldn't stop you in your learning process, in your work. This is, this is just for your own knowledge. So you should really take these things and be like, I know now that this is just an imposter syndrome and you're, it's not, it's not a bad thing to feel this. That that's, that's the whole point of this episode. I want, I want to ensure that everyone kind of has that feeling that everyone is going through what you're going through, even on different levels of professionalism of different levels of experience. Uh, everyone always has that like one feeling where they just like, Oh, why, why am I even here? Because I don't know anything. And it's, it's kind of a healthy feeling to have. And I'll, I'll talk about how to deal with it in the next segment. But I just want to reassure everyone that, yeah, I'm talking about all this stuff. And you you probably can, you know, relate to a lot of this. And you're, you're maybe you're feeling anxious, uh, even just hearing some of these things. But I just want to make just just to make sure that this isn't to do that. This is to kind of give you knowledge that it's out there. And it's very documented. And people have are feeling this with you right now. And just kind of get through it on your own. Like we, we kind of all get through it together. Um, so another thing that can really induce imposter syndrome is having to Google search everything. So f- have that feeling that, oh, I don't understand this. I need to Google search it. And the next thing that your next problem that you're solving is literally the same thing. You have to Google search it. Again, that's not a big deal. A lot of people do that. I mean, I feel like most, if not all developers will will do something similar to that. Like I, I know for sure for me, uh, I will Google search the simplest things sometimes like, oh, what's the, you know, how do, how do you get the most efficient way of getting class names all in, into a variable in pure JavaScript? Like, you know, obviously it's get, get element by class name, but uh, sometimes I'll forget that. And that happens to me all the time, even though I use it very, very often, because sometimes I'm switching between technologies, going to jQuery, going, getting out of jQuery, going to view. And then when I come back to a technology, I'll forget it. There's no problem in Google searching it. Don't don't think that just because you have to Google search it, you don't know it. That's not that's not how that works. It's just a reminder to yourself, or it's just a way of learning. And just because just the way the fact that you're willing to go through the process of searching it, learning it, implementing it, or even copy pasting it is a very big step. And it's a really important actually topic to know, and it'll really accelerate your development learning process and development implementation. So don't feel like it's inferior to have to copy and paste some Stack Overflow code. Uh, it's definitely not. That's a very, very important skill. In fact, when I'm when I, when I go through the process of uh, working with someone, I make sure that they know how to do that step. Like they know how to Google stuff. Like they don't have to ask like every single every single little question. They can Google it themselves and then ask maybe some explanations later. That's kind of how I how I approach it. Like this topic, the Google search topic. I honestly 
very important skill to have that is not a thing that should make you feel like you're an imposter um and then the last thing here is just complex topics uh yeah like when you're looking at algorithms when you're looking at sorting you know like what's the most efficient way of sorting that can or, or uh any sort of uh, design patterns like singletons and a, bu a bunch of different words that you might not understand um that can really create a sense of inferiority and a sense of uh oh i don't understand what i'm doing and i just want to say like it's a, it's important to to note that just just having that feeling it, it just having that feeling that you don't understand something it's important to just kind of uh, like embrace it because the fact that you don't understand it the fact that you note to yourself and are feeling kind of down with yourself and not understanding that's a great feeling because you can go out there and learn it like there's resources to to learn everything so if you're really upset about not knowing what a singleton pattern is Google the singleton pattern, read about it and learn it and try to implement it. Like, it's just, it's one of those things that, um, again, like I said, knowing is half the battle and being aware that you're experiencing an imposter syndrome, knowing that this is something that everyone else is experiencing, you can kind of tackle it in many different ways and use it to improve, motivate you to become a better programmer. So it's kind of flipping the table on, on something that's kind of an annoying to experience. That's, that's what I'm trying to do here. Um, I don't know if Matt, you have anything to add to, to the, you know, imposter syndrome discussion. Well, the one, the one thing I would, the one thing I would say is, is like, especially when you're talking about the complex topics thing and, and I don't know whether it's like a personal thing or like, I'm sure other people experience this as well, but I'm kind of weak in this area. I would say, uh, I don't know if I necessarily have imposter syndrome, but I have a really, a really bad knack for when something is really complex. And I've mentioned this on the show before that, like, I get pissed off before I start learning. And I don't know whether that's like a form of imposter syndrome or what that is, um, but how I get around it is I just eventually do it. Like I just, I kind of have one of those moments where I'm like, you know, I'm pissed off at a certain topic then I'm like, all right, that's it. And then I just like go and throw it into a project and by, you know, by doing that, I'm, you know, pulling up a million and one Google articles and I'm making sure I, you know, test all the different stuff and I'm maybe trying it out a different, couple different ways or whatever. And I, and like, I mean, it's, I mean, I probably waste time getting pissed off a lot at it is what I guess I'm trying to say. Uh, but like, it's, it's it's one of those things that it's one of those things where it's, it, 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 it's not easy for anyone to overcome something that is so foreign. Like it, like it, it's one thing, for example, if I didn't understand how classes worked in another language, I'm not going to really get mad about that because I can generally understand like, Oh, you know, it's, you know, this is how a class works and I'm going to be assigning this. I just have to learn the syntax, right? Like I kind of generally understand what that is. I understand what a loop is. You know, I understand the basic sections. So I just have to look up like, Oh, how do I do a loop in this language? But if you're at that point where you think a loop is complex, like you're, you know, brand new to programming, you don't know what a loop is at all. You don't know what a class is. You don't know what this is. You don't know what that is. That's like the hurdle to get over. And I'm just trying to, I guess I'm just, what I'm just trying to say is that I, you know, you're not alone necessarily and that you're not, you're not alone. You're not alone at it. And even people who have been in technology for years, like you and I have been in tech for years, I haven't been, you know, in web development the whole time, but even if it's like something else, I'll get annoyed and I, ha or I'll get pissed off and, and whether that's a, an appropriate response or not, that's just how my, how I do it. I get like annoyed with it. And then I eventually like fix the problem. Like I eventually just go after it and that's how I go after it. So, you know, you're not alone. Even people who are experienced in it, you know, have, have issues here and there. And there's a lot of stuff in programming that I don't understand. And I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that I do understand that other people don't understand as well. So it's just one of those things. And I think that's kind of my main point with that. Uh, the other the other thing I kind of want to talk about, too, is the fact that this, not, not with, with complex topics, but 
with the imposter syndrome specifically, uh, this is kind of a big problem for entrepreneurs that we're finding as well. So like, obviously we're entrepreneurs, we have our own small business and, and, in our experience, it's typically freelancers that that also get affected quite a bit because, you know, they're independent and they're generally new to the topic. So they're new to, you know, web development or whatever they're going freelancing for. And then they're also a new freelancer. So they're a new entrepreneur. Obviously, there's, you know, changes in that that formula. Maybe you're experienced in business and not experienced as, as, as what you're selling, but whatever, right? In general... People who go, jump into freelancing as a junior web dev, they they have like the biggest imposter syndrome. And one of the things is is that uh, this goes this goes back to the technical abbreviations you're mentioning, where people are talking in not necessarily just the abbreviations, but they're talking in the jargon, right? They're talking in almost in code to people, right? They you know you don't understand what the heck they're talking about. They don't understand what the heck you're talking about. It's a big mess. But one thing that helped me get kind of through this when we first started up our business is that there are people out there that literally sit there for 12 plus hours a day or eight hours a day, whatever, a shift a day. And they only do, let's say JavaScript. So yeah, they probably should be better at JavaScript than me because I use it to control transitions and stuff like that. At the same time, those people are probably not good at like going into QuickBooks and ensuring that my records are in there properly and ensuring that all the proofs are in there and knowing where to go, which government agency to go to pay your taxes or whatever. So it's just, it's one of those things where someone who's, they're not necessarily arrogant, but they're like very advanced in a topic. They're advanced in that topic generally because they have like hundreds, if not thousands of hours of practice. Whereas if you're one of those entrepreneurs or those freelancers that's just starting out, you have a more general experience. So obviously that guy could, you know, that, that amazing JavaScript dev could make the app probably better and faster, but he would be sitting there for hours trying to figure out how to charge his customers, or he'd be paying somebody else to deal with all of that, all the bookkeeping and everything, and he would be moving on. So if you're one that's, you know, completely independent, remember that you have a unique formula of skills that makes you, un- like, that takes away that, like, like anyone with that formula of skills, like, do you have, you, everyone has a unique formula of skills, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. And that whenever, whenever somebody... Whenever someone in the industry says like, oh, I'm way better at like CSS, it's like, congratulations, you that's all you do. Um, and as a real, as a final note about this as well, one of our, uh, one of our uh, professors or our instructors uh, at, at uh, our college, uh, you'll remember him, he, he taught the last, I don't, I don't want any names, but like he taught the last uh, embedded class for us. He said that one of the things he does is he just like forgets things intentionally. Like he'll learn something really hard, code it out. And like, let's say it's like we're we're working with like microcontrollers. So, you know, he codes out this driver. He has that driver now. That driver is not going to change functionality. He just forgets that knowledge. And so those people that are constantly doing the same thing over and over and over again, every single day, aren't going to forget it. And they're going to look smarter. But you, just because you have to look it up, you know where to look it up. You know how to figure out how to do it. So you're not dumber if you will you're not you're not any worse off than them you're just not as experienced as them i don't use linux commands every single day but i'm more experienced than the beginner at it but i'm less experienced than the admin because i don't administer it anymore so i don't know if that's a bit too long-winded but that's kind of where i sit with the imposter syndrome thing everyone has a unique formula and that's kind of my point there yeah and i fully agree with your sentiment uh that a lot of people like everyone that's starting out or any, anyone that's been in the in the industry for a long time, they have their very specific set of knowledge. 
And yes, they they might know some stuff a lot better than you. Yes, you might know a very general idea of a lot of stuff even better than them, even though they've been in the industry for long. So what, what I've actually seen before is a Venn diagram explaining this really well, where it shows like your uh, your knowledge and then their knowledge and then a tiny little intersection in between where it's like common knowledge. And that's kind of how it works for any developer like Matt and I. We have that intersection of common knowledge for sure. But most of it, like most of it, Matt's knowledge is better in a lot of other things. My knowledge is better in a lot of things. And our common intersection is very small, even though we've been working together for so many years. So imagine you compared to someone that you've never even worked with. Or imagine you compared to like a more advanced developer. Yes, you're, it's going to be the same thing. Like your knowledge is going to be outweighing them in, in certain aspects. And their knowledge is going to be outweighing you in certain aspects. And you're going to have that very small little mix in between. So just keep that in mind that that, that applies to pretty much everyone across any field. Um, any web development technology and stuff like that. Like, yes, obviously some have more of a larger intersection than others. But for the most part, that intersection is fairly small. Um and that kind of keeps us all on even playing field, if you, if you know what I mean. Like even someone that's been in the industry for very long, yes, he's very professional at something, but you can catch up to him in a different way. Um, so so with that, I'm actually going to move on to the next segment, and uh, that's tips and advice for dealing with imposter syndrome. So the first tip here is know the topics you are currently studying slash working with really well. So and this is kind of like our going back to our advice on knowing the base of what you're doing really, really well. Uh, so starting out from a very bottom level, base level thing. So if you're starting out in web development, that would be CSS, HTML, JavaScript, or one of those. So if you're start or a couple of those. So if you're starting out on the front end, maybe you just want to know how to do layouts. But what I'm saying is, is that know how to do those, like understand how those layouts work, understand how CSS and HTML work. And understand it fairly well to the point where you understand the limitations and the strengths of those of that core subset. So research it, do your experiments, do your template pages, do do your you know portfolio work. Understand what you're doing really really well because that base is gonna not only gonna help you understand those topics, but it's gonna understand it's gonna help you understand the next topics because you'll you'll under, you'll know how to learn and that's kind of. I like to link it up to how what school is for, what education is for. Um, I don't think it's for the actual knowledge that you get from it. Yes, you do get some interesting knowledge of like different algorithms and stuff like that. But what really teaches you how to do is pick up new topics quickly. And that's really the most important thing about education, the most important thing about school. So if you already know how to pick up new topics really quick, you're already ahead of a lot of people that are just going through school right now. And that's important to know. So it's like, you know, if you're thinking about, should I go to university? Should I not? Maybe that's a good weighing option for you. Like, are you good at learning how to learn, <laughs> essentially? If you are good at, at that, maybe a better way for you to advance in your career is just to go in head first and start doing projects and try to get a, get a job in, in the industry. And this is strictly speaking to web development, obviously. In a lot of different ways, in a lot of different industries, you can't really do this. You have to go to school. Uh, but in web development specifically, if you're already at that good base of, of, of knowing how to learn a topic, you're already ahead of a lot of people that are in school and out of school and stuff like that. So that's that's a really important one uh, I, I want to say is, um, yeah, learn learn the basic topics really well that you're learning right now. So if you're just starting out with CSS, HTML, or just JavaScript, learn it really well. 
and uh, that'll teach you how to learn the next topics even better. Um, the next thing here is have a good understanding of the tools you use. So your IDEs, your CLIs, your version control, uh, have, have, a, have a good understanding of how, you're, how to use those tools. So because without knowing the tools, it'll be tough to understand the tutorials that you're going to need to read, the tutorials that you're going to need to watch, and the guides that you're going to have to go through, and the articles and stuff like that. You, you have to understand what people are referring to when they're referring to a CLI or, you know, command line interface, what they're referring to when they're referring to, uh, you know, VS code and extensions, what they're referring to when they're referring to syntax, when they're referring to uh, Emmet or autocomplete in, in, in the, co in the codes, uh, debugging in your, in your code editor. Like you want to understand those things. And when you understand the base knowledge of what the guide is talking about, it's a lot easier to continue on and, and keep learning because if you have to kind of stop and and Google every little bit, which is completely fine. Again, like if you're going through a guide for the first time uh, and you don't understand certain aspects of it, it's completely fine to stop and, you know, get a good base knowledge of the stuff that you don't understand before you continue on. That's I, I recommend doing that. But it, it kind of it'll accelerate you even faster if you understand the tools. Because again, those guides will have a some some assumed knowledge is expected usually. It's like very limited, but it's still expected. Uh, I like to kind of give a analogy of like a carpenter needs to understand how to use a hammer before he can figure out how to build a shed. So it, it, it kind of makes sense in that way. It's a little bit different, obviously, for web development because there's so many tools or so many different, like a hammer is, is a hammer, but there's a million different uh, IDEs. There's a million different command line interfaces and version control tools and stuff like that. But essentially, it's, it's the same thing. Know the very most popular or very basic tools really well before you get into it. And and to build off of that too, like sometimes you think you know a tool worse than others because you kind of make up terms for yourself within the software. Uh, and this is for your own understanding, especially if you're just starting out. So maybe you might call the settings menu something like the left menu or you call a git commit, the commit thing, that type of stuff. Like it's important to eventually kind of get the uh, terminology down pat, especially if you start working with a team or start working with others. But at the same time, just because you call git commit, the commit thing, doesn't mean you know it any worse. You're just not quite there with the terminology. You, you know, clearly understand what commit is, when to do it, and, you know, when to sort of use it sort of thing. So kind of keep that in mind as well, because I, I, I'll, I'll personally do this quite often where I will kind of ignore a lot of the the more technical jargony terms, I guess it is in certain things. And I'll just be like, Oh, where do I like paste this? Oh, I go to like the weird looking like duck icon or whatever it is. Right. For whatever, for whatever software it is. And then I like slowly learn and learn and learn and learn. And then eventually it's like, Oh yeah, that's the clipboard icon. That's the paste button, you know, something like that as a really simple example. So, you know, don't, you know, keep yourself down if you don't understand all the terms yet, because that's, in my opinion, one of the last steps, understanding it is kind of the main thing because you can always sort of adapt your language over time. Yeah. So, and then the, the next uh, tip here is help others and help other developers and become a mentor yourself. Um, so no matter what, where you are in your programming journey, you're probably in like almost 100% likely to be ahead of at least someone else. And someone else would love to be able to pick your brain and ask you questions. And what this does is like anytime, I don't know if you've ever taught anyone. I don't know if you've ever answered anyone's questions. As soon as you answer a question or teach someone, it, it solidifies the knowledge that you have. So it's, it's a, it's a two way helping process. So you're helping someone else and you're also helping yourself by solidifying the knowledge, solidifying the knowledge you have. 
and being able to like when you're able to explain something that means you really understand it so that I really I, I like to recommend doing this like I, I, I always am there for people to answer questions and this is kind of a, another plug for our discord community we we've been really active on there and there's a lot of other people that are very very good at answering questions on there and if you have any questions you can ask there and there's a there's definitely opportunity to answer questions on there at a very base level there's a lot of people that are just starting out just as probably a lot of you the listeners out there are so just keep that in mind and that really brings me on to my next tip is to get yourself a mentor as well and join an active de- or or join a de- and or join an active developer community so um it doesn't have to be our discord it can be any other developer community out there there's plenty of them out there uh i just like the only plug that i would say for our discord is like we're just starting out so there's a very limited amount of people on there and there's a very good core community already being formed and you're probably not going to get drowned out like in a lot of other larger communities um, but, but again, there's, there's plenty of, plenty of other communities out there. So you don't have to be pigeonholed into just ours. Definitely like join multiple ones. I know a lot of people in our community have joined many, many others and, uh, they benefit from that knowledge and we benefit from it as well because they bring that knowledge back to us. So it's kind of one of those things, put yourself out there is really hard to do, but if you get yourself someone that's willing to give you advice, on a day-to-day basis and answer your questions and like give you kind of like that encouragement when you're really needed, when you're having this like imposter syndrome effect, especially uh, it's really going to make it easier for you to move on in your career and your education, your schooling or or your, your own self-learning and not get like hit that wall where you're like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore because that's really what I want to avoid uh, people doing. So if you're listening to this, please, like if you're, if you're, at that point where you're just like, I can't, I don't want to do this anymore. Just keep going at it because we, there's just need for more web developers. There's need for more programmers out there. Trust me, whatever programming level you're at, whatever you do, there's always, you have that niche to fill for sure. Like you, you have that knowledge that someone else doesn't have, or you have that knowledge that can be useful in a, in a certain project that we could definitely use. So I just want to really build the community of web developers out there. We, we, we want more of you. We want more people to continue on learning web development and helping each other and stuff like that. Um, Next point here would be become comfortable with the fact that you will not know everything, but have the confidence to tackle any problem or technology you encounter. And this one's tough. Obviously, it's kind of like, well, I, I... okay, I, there's a lot of different technologies and I want to know everything, but you have to understand that there's just no way for you to be an expert or even know about everything that's out there. But the point of this, the point of that second part is I have the confidence to tackle is that if you know that there's a lot of stuff out there and if you're constantly learning, you know that learning anything that's that comes at you during any process or any problem that you have or any new technology that you have, you can learn it and you can implement it. Just have that confidence that it's not something that's not overcomable. Like you can overcome any obstacle that 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 some someone throws at you, that your you know your employer throws at you, or your uh, the schooling throws at you, or whatever. Like you can overcome that obstacle because just because you've learned the base technologies, or you've learned a couple of different uh, frameworks at this point, or you've learned just the basic JavaScript and CSS, you just have to apply that knowledge again and learn 
the next thing. And usually it's a lot easier once you have that base. Once you once you've already learned the first parts, it's way easier to go into a framework or a uh, library like you can learn those things fast, not like learning JavaScript from from the beginning, obviously, or not like learning CSS or HTML from the beginning. Those are kind of the slow meticulous processes that you have to take and you have to kind of grind through. If you've already done that great, if you're going through that, keep going because once you grind through it, you will have that that skill of being able to learn the next thing that's going to come at you. Um, next thing, next thing here is uh, keep up to date with web development news and trends. And I kind of like to do this. Um, I, I read a lot of news. I, I go on dev.to. We'll have that linked in the in the uh, show notes. And also I follow a couple of re uh, Reddit web development communities. One's r slash web dev. And then the other is r slash web underscore design. They seem to be really on top of the newest trends, like anything, any news that breaks that affects us as web developers, they break any really important frameworks that come out that people seem to be using a lot. They'll talk about a lot. So you'll kind of, you'll be reading through and you'll see mention of something like Vue.js and you'll be like, okay, well, whatever. I've, I've read it once. That's probably not interesting, but then you'll see it again and again and again. You'll be like, okay, well, maybe that's something that I should at least read up about. Um, I'm not saying learn the whole process of how to implement and stuff like that. But if you're in the industry and if you're stagnant in, like if you're working at an agency and they're only using one stack, like just doing WordPress sites or something, I think it's still important to kind of get out there and learn what's, what's happening in the industry. Otherwise you're going to have that feeling of stagnation. You're going to all of a sudden be in the, in the sense of being an imposter, like feeling imposter syndrome happening. So this is kind of a, a way to help alleviate that because as soon as you know the technology, at least if someone mentions it in a conversation or in an email or something like that, you will have heard of it. You can go in and look at, look it up a little bit more. You know what they're referring to. It, it helps, it helps alleviate that for sure. And another thing I think I think we can add to this as well is is to actually just in general stop receiving feedback from fellow entrepreneurs, um, especially if you're new. And I know that kind of sounds controversial because you're like, of course, I want a mentor and I want this and I want that. Of course, I'm not saying don't ask for ask for help and advice. Like I absolutely agree, you should be asking for help. You should you should be asking for guidance through difficult tasks. Um, and like with fellow entrepreneurs, hopefully, because they have the experience that you're going through, they've already been through it generally. So then they can help you through it. However, just don't ask for feedback based on performance, I guess, is more specifically what I'm after. And that is because it's most likely just going to make you think that you're doing terribly in comparison. If someone's been in the industry for just two years even, and you're just joining, they're two years ahead of you. They've already registered their business. They know generally what's going on. They've already been through a tax season or two. They know, uh, they know all these new technologies. They generally understand the customer base. If they know, if they've been like, you know, trying to cater themselves to, to their, uh, to, uh, to wherever their area is, if they're trying to do, you know, services in the area or whether they're trying to go online and go widespread like they generally know what technologies people want what they're using uh what uh good procedures there are for customers how to make customers understand things like that is these are all skills that you learn you know via mentoring and via actually having experience which is the most valuable is that experience part but by asking them you know how are you guys doing you might be making like four grand a year they're going to be making maybe 20 let's say because they're brand new as well but that's still like 
you know, it's still five times more than what you're making. And so you're just going to think like, oh, I must suck because I don't know what the heck I'm doing. It's like, well, no, you're also way behind. You didn't learn all these other skills, let alone just have more hours in it and like literally hundreds of hours in it. If we assume that the, the you know, an entrepreneur is only doing 40 hours a week, which is generally you know, low, but like, let's just say it's 40 hours a week. That's still hundreds of hours more than you in a given topic. If you think about it in terms of a school semester, if like if you're coming out of school and you're, you're going uh, you're coming out of school and you want to go into like a freelancer field or that type of thing. If you think about it, how much time were you really spending on an individual class in an individual semester? Generally speaking, it's, you know, four months. If you're in terms of the Canadian college system, it's, you know, approximately four months. And it's like maybe one one max three classes, which are, you know, maybe three hours maximum. So let's say there's three classes max at three hours each per week and then you have like some homework on there but like that's not 40 hours and these people have been working on these skills 40 hours a week minimum for two years so just keep that in mind ask for their guidance ask for their help but do not ask about the performance because you're just going to be you're just going to think that you're doing terribly yeah I, I kind of agree with that i i think a more general like my my more general advice on on that one would be stop comparing yourself directly to other developers or other entrepreneurs like like you said it, everyone's at a different level even if they've started at the same time comparing yourself to someone uh is kind of it might give you that imposter syndrome so i completely agree with what you're saying matt uh just kind of don't stay in your own bubble, but make sure to not fully directly compare yourself with, with everyone that you see. Just know that everyone takes a different journey to it and that your journey is just as valuable as all the other journeys. And you'll find your your method will be a little bit different than everyone else's. Maybe it's better, maybe it's worse, but it's still going to get you where you want to go if you're, if you're dedicated and you get that experience and you, you kind of plow through all your obstacles. Uh, that, that's the most important thing. Just be be kind of ready to just go through any sort of problems that, that arise and don't let these kinds of feelings of insecurity or inferiority stop you from learning and expanding in the, in the field. Um, but I think with that, I think we're, we're, we're good to go on the imposter syndrome topic. Hopefully everyone learned what it is. I think that's the main point of this discussion. Know that there's something out there called imposter syndrome and that you're not the only one experiencing it. Almost everyone else has experienced it at some point or is experiencing it right now. Try to mitigate it as much as you can. It's important to not, you know, delve into these things too, too much. Um, and just to keep keep on doing what you're doing. Keep keep learning, keep expanding in your career. Uh, with that, uh, I think we'll move on to web news. And this week, the web news is digital well-being. So just what digital well-being is, it, it refers to how much time we spend looking at screens and devices um, and how it affects us and what we do on them and stuff like that. So as web developers, we don't really have to have a way to mitigate how much we look at a screen because it's part of our jobs. Like right now, I'm surrounded by screens and that's that's part of my job. Um, we can, however, try to adjust our environments to kind of provide a better lifestyle while working with screens. So one of those things, one of the things that I do is I like to take my laptop outside, uh, for short amounts of time and just work, work outside, you know, sitting in a lounge chair or a zero gravity chair, or just on a, on a table. And, uh, sometimes like I go to the botanical gardens that, that are local to here and it's, it's great. That's a great place to work. I mean, not everyone has that opportunity, but if you do definitely try, try out going to different little places around the city, uh, and taking out your laptop and, you know, doing your, either your research there, or maybe doing some coding, whatever you, whatever you can do on your laptop. 
Um, another, another thing that really helps me is having a clean environment around me. So ha having my setup be aesthetically pleasing to me and everyone has different, obviously, uh, expectations for aesthetics. So it, it might be different for you. But for me, it's like minimal distractions as much as I can, because I already have a million other distractions in the forms of screens around me. Um, like right now, why I'm doing this digital well-being section is because I have currently a 10-inch Android tablet, a iPad uh, sitting like just staring at me with a bunch of information and testing stuff going on a MacBook that's sitting on my desk and then three monitors, my microphone, my keyboard, my mouse. Like it's just, it's a lot of stuff. And I, but that's all I have on my desk. Like I don't have any needless, you know, little trinkets or toys. I just have like a pen and paper uh, just to scribble some stuff and that's it. So I try to keep at least what I can manage to a minimum uh, because everything else is kind of unmanageable and I can't, there's nothing I can do about it because this is just part of my job. Um, but that, that helps me kind of sit down at my desk and feel good about, coding uh, if i come to if i come in the morning and my desk is a mess and there's a million cups around and there's a bunch of you know paperwork like banking paperwork on my desk that makes me anxious and i don't like i feel like that it it, it doesn't ruin my day i would say but it definitely delays the time that i i would take to spin up in the morning because i have to clean up my desk and fix everything so i try to keep it as clean as possible um, and that works on a varying level so then another thing is that I try to take breaks away from the screen or the computer. So, you know, I, I work for like 45 to an hour straight uh, and then I'll go and take like a five to 10 minute break, maybe go downstairs, pour a cup of coffee, maybe just go outside for a little bit, just walk around. Like I literally just kind of turn my mind off sometimes. And that's not every break. Obviously, I can't like sometimes I'll go on Twitter. Sometimes I'll do that. Like I can't control that. But I try to at least a few times a day. Uh, step away completely from the screen during work time and uh, give myself a, time, a little bit of time to reset. Um, the other thing is, is that the, the blue light from monitors has now been directly linked to how well you sleep and how well you kind of, uh, how your eyes, it, it affects your day-to-day, -day, like day-to-day -day feel like energy levels. Um, and I've noticed that I've been using like a nightlight type feature where it kind of takes the blue light away from my screen during the evening so when the sun goes down so as i'm winding down before i go to bed my screen is kind of more warm and yellowish and that it, it i have noticed that it has helped me uh fall asleep faster and my eyes aren't as strained as they were before um so stuff like that like blue light maybe get yourself like some uh uh, blue light glasses. I know that glasses definitely definitely work. Uh, we don't have any sponsors right now, but I know I've, I've heard other people mention Spectrum glasses, so you can try try those out. Maybe maybe they'll work for you for minimizing blue light and helping you like helping your eye strain and stuff like that. Um, and then uh, the other thing is is just keep yourself like just keep keep yourself aware that there's other methods out there. Like maybe. Uh, for your evening time, try to limit the amount of time you spend with screens. So if you, if you're already spending all day on a monitor, like I understand this is kind of hard to do because a lot of us, you know, some of us are into gaming. I know Matt likes to game, so you can't really like, that's his hobby. He likes to do that. So you can't really limit the amount of time he spends with screens even after work. But a lot of us, maybe you have a different hobby, like, you know, you work out or you go for walks or whatever, whatever your hobby is, you, you work with, you know, you work in the shop in the evening. I think that it, it would be nice to have that kind of balance. Uh, I myself am not really that balanced and I've been trying to do that a little bit. Like I, I do go for walks. I do, uh, 
I do go like to the gym to work out a little bit and stuff like that. But um, I have found that I do spend a lot of time after work on screens as well. And that's probably not the greatest balance in my life. Uh, but I mean, if you're out there and you can kind of limit that, I'm sure that, that that will have a positive effect on your life. So Matt, how do you keep yourself sane with so many screens? So this is actually kind of weird because it's a little bit opposite, uh, or some of the points are going to be directly opposite of you. So, uh, number one, I do not have a clean desk right now. I got a bunch of paper on my desk. Uh, I got uh, two random wall wart things for other power lines. Didn't even know what they were. Um, I have two phones. I got a key two. I got a S8 plus in front of me. I got two monitors. I got a uh, tablet to my right. There's a, I mean, there's a laptop, but it's in the bag back there, which is sometimes on my other side as well. So I have screens all over the place. Um, now, I do actually turn them down and typically have the orange light thing on or the blue light filter on. Uh, a little bit lower than most people. I have some pretty bad floaters in my right eye. Uh, and this actually happened, or at least it seemed like it happened as a result of eye strain. It was like a particularly bad month where like my eyes years ago, it just used to hurt all the time. Like 100% of the time, my eyes just hurt. And it got to the point where I didn't even realize they really hurt. because I was just used to them being hurting all the time. And then there was like one month where it was like particularly bad. And like I got started getting floaters in both my eyes. Now, uh, as far as I know, floaters are like basically permanent. But like if the, if the screen is really bright, all I see is like this like spider web across my eye. Uh, which is really annoying. So my screens are generally pretty dim, uh, and they do have the orange, uh, the blue light uh, on. Uh, and I keep saying orange is because the screen kind of gets like an orangish tinge over it, uh, if you haven't used them yet. And uh, I do have that on my phone at all times, and I have uh, it on my my side monitor all the time. And then my main monitor, only uh, the timed one, like at night or whatever. Uh, but the the brightness is down. They're not like super dim or anything. Like everyone can use it, but just a little bit dimmer than normal. And uh, my eyes don't generally hurt as much anymore. Uh, my TV is rather bright, but I sit kind of far away from it. So that's fine. Like you said, I game quite a bit. So, you know, weekends and evenings after working, like, I mean, I'm like, I can't game on like, on like the blue sky above. I have to, <laughs> I have to use a screen. I can't like use something else. So I, I, I plugged into a screen literally all the time. Uh, now this isn't necessarily by design, but when I was in, when we were in college, one of the things I think I said in the first or maybe the second semester, uh, so I don't think I'd met you yet, Mike, but I remember I was talking to, uh, our one buddy, Anthony. And I remember I said, I'm like, if we, I'm like, if we look at this, I'm like, I bet you in 10 years, uh, we, everywhere we look will be a screen where it constantly has information for us. And he said, no, you're crazy. And, uh, this past weekend I was in Toronto and I was walking around union station. Every, every single billboard that was in there is now digital. It's now a screen. There are screens almost always in view. Buy a car. Be safe. Do this. Do that. Have savings. Do this. Save your retirement. Buy this car. Go to this hotel. Fucking take this train. There are screens literally everywhere. Um, so the, the reason why I mention this is because I'm kind of on the... Like, I really like having constant digital information kind of, like, flooding into me. Now, sometimes it's too much and I will take, you know, a break, as you say. Like, I do take breaks. I will kind of, like, get up, walk around the house or whatever. Um, but I, I will say that I'm more of a person that I want screens constantly in front of me. I want to constantly be looking at stuff. Like I'll just go watch a YouTube video. Then I'll be on like a Plex. Then I'll be on Netflix. Then I'll be working. Then I'll be playing a game. Um, so I don't know whether it's because like half of my screen time, let's say, or like a quarter of it or whatever it is, whatever the percentage is, is like leisure time. I don't know whether that's the reason why screens don't bother me as much. I don't. Uh, I don't really know. However, I will say that the blue light filters do help my sleep. I did used to like not be able to sleep uh, or not be able to fall asleep very fast. So I do fall asleep much faster now that I have uh, the dimmer brightness and the uh, the blue light filters on. So that definitely does help. Um, 
in terms of the environment, again, like I said, there's just stuff all over my desk. Uh, I think that might just be how I have always worked. I don't know whether it's considered unhealthy digitally, but I will say that I can see, I can kind of see myself like, um, I think I do my best work and I think, I, I think this ties in. I don't know if it does. I'm not like a doctor or a psychologist by any means, but I do my best work when things are like, like really bad shit crazy, if that makes sense. Like when people are like, hey, go here, 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 call this guy, go this, do that. And it's like just crazy, like multitasking. Like there's sometimes, like there's sometimes there's a point in which I'm like, all right. And I'll just like, just start like going crazy and doing all this stuff. Um, now sometimes obviously the stress is too much or whatever, but I do say that anytime I do like my really best work is when things go, go crazy. Like today is a prime example. I had to deal with some family stuff. And so Mike had to deal with the, uh, the show, the show notes that you're reading now for the, or the majority of the show notes anyway, but I was supposed to be doing them. I was also supposed to be doing four other things, but instead I ended up like driving people around, showing up in three places that I didn't even know it was supposed to be canceling all my plans, coming home right after this is done. I got to like fly over back over to the city. Then I want to come home. I got to come back and then I got to edit this. Like this is when sort of, I like kind of wake up and kind of kick in and kind of get energy from my work. Now, whether, and this is why I mentioned this, whether the fact that I'm constantly bouncing between tasks means I'm kind of taking small breaks in between screen time, whether that is the reason why I'm good at that is because it's healthy for me to take those little breaks in screen time because I'm jumping tasks. I don't know. Maybe that's the reason. Um, but that's just sort of how I am. And that's sort of why my desk is such a mess. Cause I'm kind of scatterbrained. Like I got a hard drive here with, with some stuff in it. I got an old laptop backup. I got a, I got a Sega Genesis portable over here that I forgot about. I just found on the desk here. Like this is like, this is great. I, you said there's no toys in the desk. I got a dog here. I don't know where that came from. I got a mysterious stranger toy from fallout right here. I got a rim innovator award that I found at a, I found at a, um, a flea market. Like what's going on here. I got a fidget cube. There's aspirins in here. Like, like <laughs> i mean like there's everyone's different right i think i think the thing the thing with productivity and how how our digital well-being works is that everyone has different strategies for it um i'd actually love to hear from the audience if you're kind of more of a more along the lines of myself where you like a clean aesthetical environment or you're more matte ish where you like just chaos and you know, uh, your, your desk is just a variety of a lot, like things that kind of interest you and stuff like that. Maybe, I, I believe that both are viable. I'm just like, my own method is my own method. Your method is your own method. As long as it works, as long as you feel like you're a product, you're productive during your work time, I think that that's the most important thing and adjusting your lifestyle to get there, to be able to not only be productive all like during your work time, but then have a way to recharge yourself and then come back the next day and then be a productive again. That's the goal, right? Like you do the, the, the problem that I know that a lot of people have is they just get burnt out really quickly. So like a, they can't even last a week or they can't, you know, after years and years and years, they'll, they'll just start like, they'll just start draining and they won't be able to keep up the, any sort of pace of work that is needed in, in our, in our jobs. Right. Like a, and I, I'm kind of there with you in the in the chaos environment, like when there's just a lot to do. Um, I also tend to thrive on that, but I think I think there's a balance to it. What what I honestly think is that um, I like that sometimes, like every, once a week, you know, something like that. Like that that kind of rejuvenates me as well. Like I like n- not only during it, but after it, you kind of get that euphoric feeling of like, oh, I've actually accomplished something. I've accomplished like A, B, C, D. Like I've accomplished a bunch of stuff because there was panic and I solved the panic. Um, but I think if 
on an everyday basis, that would be something that would cause burnout. I don't know. I don't know if that's actually a, like if it'll actually happen to you. And I know everyone's different, but uh, for me, I think that if I were to have an everyday job like that would require me to panic on a daily basis where I would just have like 15 different things that I have to do at one time and 15 different people calling me trying to solve their problems at one time that would be the point where you know after a few months of that or a year of that I'd probably just you know stop doing what I'm doing and move on to something else with my life I I need a I need a sort of balance with it I I do enjoy it like like I said I do like it sometimes because it gives me you know helps me stay organized and stay on top of everything. But yeah, I think it's a balance. One other thing that's really important, I think too, is like as a baseline, like me taking breaks from the screen are absolutely necessary. You know, making the screen so that they're not as hard on my eyes are absolutely necessary. Me probably recognizing my eyes were burning all the time back a few years ago would have probably or should have been necessary. Uh, like as like earlier than I did, you know, stuff like that. I, like, you know, taking breaks and all that stuff is, I, I think those are like clear one-to-one. Everyone should do those, you know, m- whether the breaks vary in, in, in length and in, in how many, and how like uh, common they happen during the day or whatever. Uh, however that variance works out, I definitely agree that those things are sort of like a baseline, like, hey, you know, chill, like, let's take a break, let's calm down, let's get this done, and let's do whatever, right? Um, The one thing I will say, though, is that, and I don't know whether it's to say with you, is that my desk is maybe chaos and that type of thing, but I am digitally very organized. There's a couple of things in my life that are kind of disorganized, like sort of like some stuff with, like that I've had issues maybe with syncing in the cloud, I have duplicates of stuff, but in general, in general, like, I can take all my computers, literally throw them in the garbage, and I have all my data. I know where it is, it's all filed, you know, it's, 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 if it's not in one place, it's in another, like, those are my most unorganized places. It's not like I, I have stuff literally thrown everywhere. Generally, my desktop is more or less empty, if not, it has one row, or one column down the side on the left, or whatever. Like, I'm not a person that has, like, files all over the desktop, uh, I have extremely generally i have extremely clean servers i try to clean them up if i like mess up a configuration i'll sometimes i'll just wipe the server and just like redo it again if i think i've like you know messed around with it too much and i'm like oh this server is just gonna be a mess now sometimes i'll just wipe that server and just redo it like i am very clean digitally now whether that helps my digital well-being i mean i probably does but like how much that helps i don't know also i say i do my best work during that panic but i 100 percent agree if i was waking up every single day and it was like a panic like that, I would definitely be being burnt out. And one thing I can think of is like, if you, if you think about like, you wake up, like you wake up in the morning every single day, sometimes you just have a headache or sometimes you just don't feel well. You know, you're not like deathly ill. You're not going to call in or whatever, but you just don't feel great. Imagine having the stress of having to perform at your best every single day at maximum speed all the time for all these people talking to people when you have a headache or when you're just not feeling that great. those high speed, extremely stressful jobs will wear you down because you'll hit those days, probably in my opinion, more and more and more. I'm not a doctor again, not a psychologist, but in my opinion, it's like those days come because maybe you ate something bad or like maybe you were just stressed out. But if you keep like beating yourself up, you know, it's, you know, it's bad. But I will say, like I said, my best work comes from those days, probably because it's like, you know, I'm kind of, you know, chill during my work day. I get stuff done, of course, you know, I'm productive, whatever. But then it's like when those moments come, I'm kind of ready and I'm like, all right, let's do it. But if that was just not a moment, but it was just my actual general workplace all the time, every day, I think I would probably go insane. Um, 
So I don't like I don't I don't know whether that's I don't know whether that's digital well being like related or 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 what that is because uh, because like I mean that that can apply really to any job you know what I mean like you could have a stressful work environment at a different job you don't have to be a guy who's working in you know in programming or in marketing or whatever like or a related web development field SEO what have you you know you can have those stressful jobs like in a mine you can have those stressful jobs I don't know laying concrete whatever right. And so I think it may be like, that's why I mentioned it is I think it might be escaping digital well-being a bit. It might just be going into more general well-being. But I think generally what it is, though, is, is you're right. Like try to find a job where you're not getting like screwed over every day, I think is probably the best way to put it. You know, make you make it so that your job doesn't have to have it so that you're at your best every single day. Because even though some people will be like, well, I'm always at my best. Well, that's. That's horseshit because you're not like you're you're not though, right? I don't know what your opinion is on that, Mike, but like you're not at your best every single day. Yeah, I I kind of agree. Like if you wake up in a panic every day, then you're probably not in the right place for you. Uh, some people thrive. Well, okay, some people are really good at waking up in a panic, <laughs> and they can do it for longer than others. I don't think it's an everlasting thing. Uh, I think that you will get burned out no matter who you are, but I think some people are better than others in, in that kind of situation. Um, it's it's tough. Like we we've had situations where we've kind of had those panic. Like at, at the first little bit, the start of our careers, the start of this company, we had like that website with uh, having to wake up at one a.m. every day for like uh, at least for me, and then I had to field a field a phone call from from Russia and have to, you know, have that conversation in Russian. And I'm like, Russian is, is a language I can speak, but it's not my first, like English is definitely my stronger language. So I had to, you know, had to adapt every day and it was usually a panic call. (laughs) So it, and that went on for, I think months at that time. So that was definitely a trying time. And it was definitely hard for me because I was still learning the web development industry and I was still learning how to do everything. And then I also had that panic on top of that of just having those things. And I had a couple, you know, a couple of times, not only was it just like an everyday thing, it was like a middle of the night thing a couple of times where I had to leave my phone on uh, because something went, something could go wrong and it's a very delicate industry. And if something went wrong, I had to wake up at four or 5 a.m. and quickly fix it while people are typing at me saying that everything's down and everything is a disaster at this point. So I've, I've definitely lived through that kind of experience. Um, and I don't want to go back to it. <laughs> I've, I very deliberately tried to avoid those kinds of projects. Uh, the, the current contracts that we're on are very, they are high pressure and they're, they are complicated, but they're the the clients that we work with are understanding and we we kind of communicate very well back and forth together. So if we have those days where we wake up, we wake up with a headache. We don't have to push ourselves to be, to be the best that we possibly can that day. We can kind of take it a little bit easier. And then the next day make up for those, for that time that we had off, because in the long run, it's my understanding that if you, if you kind of do that to yourself on a consistent basis, if you push yourself on a consistent basis to the extreme and you have, you, you know, you have those breakdowns sometimes that will make you a worse worker in the end. Whereas if you prolong your career and you make it so that you don't have high stress every single day, you'll not only become a better developer as you go, but you'll be able to do it for longer. So that, that's kind of where I'm trying to aim and digital well-being or not, it's still well-being, the well-being conversation. And we got to aim to 
not only be the best, but be able to do it for a long time because we have to support our families. We have to support ourselves. We have to, you know, I mean, we're in a world that has to make money, so you have to do it somehow. And I like my job. Like I like doing web development. I like JavaScript. I like doing all these framework stuff. I like learning new things. I like the imposter syndrome sometimes just bringing it back to the episode topic. Uh, I, I like all that. And I, and I, I also like to be stressed sometimes to be honest but again it's that balance and i think with digital well-being being it's also that balance of how much how much can you really balance your digital life um whether that be actually social media as well as something that i wanted to quickly touch on uh social media really drains me digitally uh, if i'm on it constantly so if i'm constantly posting on instagram or twitter that that to me is a kind of a drain on my digital well-being i've noticed Um, so I need to balance that as well with all my other, you know, screen realist screens and stuff like that. So it's, it's definitely a delicate balance. still trying to figure it out. I'm not a hundred percent. I'm not a hundred percent there yet. That's for sure. But I hope that at least knowing, again, knowing about digital well-being and knowing that there's ways to mitigate your, you know, eye strain and your mental, mental state of just constantly being around screens. There's ways to do that and we can always try to help each other. So let us know how you manage it yourselves i'm curious how everyone else kind of mitigates this and i think i think i think maybe social media stuff like that is sort of a topic like a topic all on its own but i will say the same thing kind of as a, as a closing note for myself is like i will say that i do find some things draining and it takes me a little while to find out that they're draining and so there's been like a few times where i've been like just a few weeks even where I just like, I'm doing my work, whatever. I'm fine. I'm not sick, but I just find myself like, Oh Jesus. Like I just, you know what I mean? Just like, I don't want to do this. And then I'm just realizing I'm like, Oh, I'm like strangely, like you, I've strangely used Facebook a lot this week. So I'm out of here. Like, I just want to use Facebook for a little bit. Um, and like same goals with like our Instagram and stuff. Like I like posting on Instagram and all that stuff. Like that's fine. But I was like, when we were really trying to, obviously we're still trying to build the audience We're only at like around 1200 something, but you know, it's one of those things where I was on it all the time to try to like learn it too, right? I was learning what to post and learning what the hashtag and learning all the little, little intricacies where I was on it so much where I was just like, God, like, I don't want to look at pictures anymore. Like, you know what I mean? It's just one of those things where I don't know if it's, it's repetition or whether it's, uh, you're, you're, cause you're on social media, you're kind of always seeking approval cause you're trying to get likes and you're dealing with their changes and stuff. And it's like, I don't want really, I don't want to look at these pictures anymore. Like I don't want to look at these things. I don't want to like anything anymore. Like like what am I doing? And so like last few weeks I've been like sort of balancing it um where you know I kind of just go on here and there and I'll like a few pictures and comment and then I'll like post. Like I'm not necessarily posting all the time. Like I used to a bunch and I kind of want to get back to doing it a little bit more consistent, but at the same time it's just it's like our follower count's still going up. We're not getting complaints from people. You know, we're not our followers aren't like dipping down to nothing you know, very specifically, our listens are still fine and that type of stuff. It's just, I think social media calls you too much. And, and that'll be my kind of closing note is I think that like screens always call you, right? But you could do a whole bunch of stuff on screens, play games, you know, social media. You can, uh, I just got an email from a hotel. You can rate hotels. You can, uh, you know, do whatever, answer email, make a podcast, whatever. But with social media, it's like, you're there to give, seek, or give approval, seek approval, or complain for the most part, right? And some people are there to laugh and look at memes or whatever. Fine. But generally speaking, a lot of it is to, a lot of it is for those three things I just mentioned. And so I think it's just sort of a, it's an, it's a non, 
uh, what would I say, a non-organic way to interact. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I'm not going to quit it. I'm not recommending anyone quit it. But I will say that it's it's strangely draining, and I don't know why. If that makes sense. So, that'll be my... That's my closing note on digital well-being, because I think that... So, I'm pretty sure... Uh, I'm sure there'll be a web news in the future where we just solely talk about social media stuff, because that's a, that's a whole friggin' like bucket of worms that, that we could jump into. I don't even know if that's the right oh, thing. Yeah. Bucket of worms? Yeah, I think that's All right. right. Hopefully correct me on, correct me on social media. If you, uh, <laughs> if I'm wrong there, uh, but I don't know whether you have anything else to say, Mike, about this topic. Nope. Roll her up. All right. Well, uh, thank you for listening and make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing on the platform of your choice. You can follow us on the socials via at HTML, all the things that's on Facebook and Instagram. You can follow us at HTML, everything on Twitter. We are on medium. We are on GitHub. And remember we have a discord community that is just kicking off and it's quite active right now. So jump into that if you're interested. And remember, we also have a uh, Patreon, which is, which can be found at patreoncom slash HTML, all the things check out the tiers and give that a go. And many thanks to our $3 tier patron, Sean from rabbit works, JavaScript, which is, and you can find, his channel at youtube.com slash rabbit works javascript uh and remember his link will be in the description and works is spelt w-e-r-k-s not the regular way and remember to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you are listening to this on and we are signing off